Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Pump Fake, everybody. Jared Bailey with you as always. Joined by USA Today's Doug Farrar. It's good to see you, sir. Hey, how's it going? I was trying to do a pump fake there, but I don't. I appreciated that. Yeah, you know. Did you name it? He had like the best pump fake of all time. Who did? Roethlisberger had like. Oh yeah, pump fake I've ever seen. I was uh, very lucky to to grow up a Steelers fan with you know one quarterback uh, throughout my throughout my fandom until this past year. So, um, yeah, no. Cheers to the Ben Roethlisberger reference. Yeah. Uh, it's great I can to see, see you. Would be positively affected by that experience. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. It was a very yeah. good time. This year was very very odd for me. Uh, uh, adju- <laughs> adjusting to you know the first different quarterback since I was you know since I've been a fan of the team. I Dave, this is this will never be this will never happen again. They've had three head coaches since 1969. Mm-hmm. Since Woodstock and men walked on the moon. They've had three coaches. That will never happen again. There's been more popes than Steelers head coaches in that in that time period. There you go. It will never happen again. You were you were very correct on that. I wonder how many the Browns have had in the past decade alone. Oof, uh, a lot. A lot. More coaches or quarterbacks? Because oh, that's true too. The success or failure seems to be somewhat intertwined. Yeah, there's been a lot of fun names in there too. You know, Mike mm-hmm. Pettin and. Uh, obviously, Freddie Kitchens was is the the, the fan favorite to say, for lack of a better. I, you know, I like Freddie. The quarterbacks are funnier when you take Brandon Weed in the first round. Yeah, man, I don't even know what to tell you. No, no, twenty eight year old out of the Big Twelve. Good, good luck to you. Through like a forty eight year old. Yeah, <laughs> like me. Him and Justin Blackman both went in the first round that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Two in the first round. I, That'd be good to look look up. How many teams have had two first round picks and busted on both in the same? That game? would be a very fun article to do. Ouch! I'll make a mental note of that. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of teams that you know were kind of, I shouldn't say busting, but outside of the Philadelphia Eagles, the entire NFC conference after Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, um, it is aging, and I'm struggling to find a definitive, you know probably number three team outside of Philadelphia and San Francisco, but especially at the quarterback position, it's Jalen hurts. And I don't think we can say anybody's the definitive number two guy in the NFC after Jalen hurts right now. If you want to say Dak Prescott, maybe if you want to say Kirk cousins, maybe there's an argument for that. If you want to say Derek Carr, there's a little bit of an argument for that. Yeah. Where is your head in terms of, you know, who, who falls after Jalen hurts in the, uh, in the quarterback debate in the NFC? Yeah. Geno Smith might be your QB five or six. That's the- crazy. Um, and Hey, good for Gino. I'm up in Seattle. So I got to see the whole thing and he's, he's a, you know, it's, he's one of those guys you just root for cause he's been through so much and he did not let it define him. Right. And he just, you know, he went all out. Yeah. I'm looking at this. I mean, Dallas, you'd think they would have enough talent, but we've heard that before. Um, Dax, I wrote a piece on Dax interceptions late in the season and I don't know that that's fixable especially if Mike McCarthy is now running the offense, which if you've been anywhere near Green Bay, you don't want that. Um, Minnesota, a lot of questions on defense. Um, Brian Flores will be a thermonuclear update over Ed Donatel. That will help. Um, (laughs) Flores knows what he's doing. It'll be fun to watch the Vikings do like 40% zero blitz. (laughs) Because where Brian goes, man, that's what he's going to do. So if he's in charge, that's what's going to happen. 
Yeah, I don't I don't see I mean even if Rodgers was in Green Bay, right? We saw you know he supposedly had the thumb thing or whatever, but yeah. I thought his lower body mechanics were just off. He did not have a great season. So even if he stayed with the Packers, let's say they draft Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison Addison or some of their route maestro um to really up their receiver game. You don't know if David Bakhtiari is gonna be healthy at left tackle. I don't know what's going on with their defense. So it's like okay, so they win the, the division or the Vikings and the Lions. Yeah, maybe sure. Uh, the, the lions are, I think, sneaky, fun to watch, not yeah. sneaky because they're just fun to watch could be sneaky competitive, but your quarterback is Jared Goff. And that comes with its own, just not to slam Jared Goff, but we all know where the ceiling is. Yeah. Um, and with, even with San Francisco, what is the brain drain with D'Amico Ryan's leaving? Because he did so much for that, and no offense to any other coaches there, but D'Amico Ryan's was special the way yeah. he just aligned everything. So even San Francisco, and who's going to be the quarterback? Will Brock Purdy be ready to go? Will Trey Lance be ready to go? It's like, you know, they don't have a pick until the third round. Sam Darnold, 2024. Sam Darnold, baby. Uh, yeah. the the I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of a Sam Darnold stand. I like him as a, like. A, I really liked him coming out of school, so I've always had a soft spot for him. I like him as a plus backup, but, you know, we'll see. And with Purdy, it's like, all right, he had a good season. He improved a lot. His college tape, you know, all these people. I can't believe we all missed on Brock Purdy. If you go back and watch Purdy's Iowa State tape, it wasn't great. <laughs> so I don't I don't know that we missed. I think it's where the Niners hit. Um, but yeah, I would agree. I don't I don't think there's one obvious um one obvious team to compete with the Eagles. Um, I think Howie Roseman has done a, a stellar job, but now, again, I mean, and I was at the combine with Jonathan Gannon, their former defensive coordinator, who's now, of course, the head coach of the Cardinals. Uh, I was there for his presser, which was the first national presser after the Cardinals hired him. And like 60 percent of that uh, presser was angry Eagles reporters asking about his defensive strategy in the Super Bowl. Um, so, again, brain dream with both uh, with uh, Steichen leaving or Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon leaving to become head coaches in Indianapolis and Arizona, respectively. What is the brain drain there? We don't know yet. You know, they're promoting people and, and doing different stuff. I think they'll pretty much, you know, it'll be a, the, the run defined passing game and the five man fronts and the five, one, five and all that. Um, so, yeah, I think the Eagles are the, you know, they should, they should be anticipated to be at the top of the division. Of course, you never know what's going to happen. And the draft will define so many things for so much, so many of these teams. So um, if we had this discussion in a month or two months, we might think differently, but yeah, right now that's kind of where I see it. Yeah. I mean, and the rest of the division has been pretty active. Um, Obviously Minnesota going through a lot of cosmetic changes on the defensive side of the ball. Like you said, bringing in Brian Flores and firing Ed Donatel. Um, Their past defense last year was abysmal. Um, Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm looking. And a lot to of that was, I mean, yeah, they're corner light to a, a ridiculous degree, but a lot of that was scheme. Yeah, it was, like it's not 1999. You can't run that same crap over and over. But they're not going to exactly. Do and then when you look at the Lions and the Bears, who have both just been, I don't know, in somewhat of an arms race to try to be the best team in the NFC North on paper right now. Um, the Bears spending a lot of money on off-ball linebackers with T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds, man, he's making as much money as Fred Warner. I don't get that's that. crazy. I, like I like. I like Tremaine Edmonds a lot. He's, he's, he's an not interesting player, but man, no, not not for that. I like the yeah. Edward signing. I thought was sneak. You know, 
They and like you said, they spent a lot of money on linebackers. Well, they I think they got T.J. Edwards for you know he's he's a good sort of, of a bargain middle guy, and then with Edmonds, it's like okay, you decided that you didn't need Roquan Smith, so now you're going to pay what Roquan Smith wanted for a guy who's not as good as Roquan Smith. I question the strategy there. I do as well, and regardless of that, I'm still a big Tremaine Edmonds guy. Um, I like the T.J. Edwards sign, and he got better up front. Player. Yes. But usually when I say interesting, it means it's a nice way of saying he is undefined. We don't, he had the one good season, you know, get it in your contract. You're good for him, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What's that? Somewhat of like a rich man's Isaiah Simmons. I mean, to a point, I think Simmons could do more hypothetically outside in, you know, in, in the mm. slot and even play corner uh, with the I want to make sure I get all this right because the lions, oh. they get Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley and Chauncey. Garner Garner Johnson. Johnson. Wow. Pair, Kirby pair those there get those guys with Kirby Joseph who, yeah, who had a fantastic year last year, three times and Illinois, by the way, kind of a DBU kind of a sneaky. They have my CB one and, and Devon Witherspoon. They have two safeties in my safety list that, came out today um so I, I like what they've done i think they could you know if if jared goff plays at a, a top jared goff level uh maybe they win the division that's that's not out of the question i think yeah, the, look I at, think look at jared goff's numbers last year too he i mean on paper with everything right around him he had a fantastic year he's kind of like jimmy garoppolo in that the metrics always look better than the tape yes and, with, and you just kind of wonder why that is and then you go to the tape and think, yeah okay um, but yeah, if, if Goff and I don't think the lions are out of play for cornerback at six, I've mocked okay. him with Gonzalez and Witherspoon more than once. I, you know, I, I could see that happening. Maybe if, you know, they're like a quarterback at six, they trade down a little bit. Maybe they get Goff's replacement this year. Keep building. Um, I like the lions. I like what they're doing. I mean, I don't think that they're out of play for, I mean, if they wanted to move up, to number three if they like a guy and not like if they like anthony richardson enough if they yeah. like a, a cj stroud enough yeah why not leapfrog leapfrog everybody and get up to you know use those two first round picks to get up to, to number three i would say uh, that if stroud is there at three somebody really screwed up fair enough Real, two at least two general managers really made mistakes <laughs> everybody's really hopping on the anthony richardson well training. i think he's philip rivers but mobile i oh. think astonishingly good Everybody seems to be hopping on the uh, Anthony Richardson train right now. I love him. Um, my uh, the the comp that most people are doing is Cam Newton. Um, I don't. Cam was more refined. Cam had, had. I mean, he went to Blinn and then Auburn, but Cam just looked like a more experienced quarterback. My comp is um, and take all the attendance stories out of the way and go back and watch when Colin Kaepernick was really just demolishing the Packers with 150 rushing yards. What with Colin, everything was a fastball. And one of the reasons, one of the few on field reasons things didn't go well for him over time is that everything was a fastball. I think with Richardson, that's the same thing. He's going to have to learn touch and arc and timing and different kinds of velocity. It's a lot to ask. Now he only had one season as a starter. So I think the last guy who was drafted in the first round and the Bears traded up to do this was mm. Benjamin. <laughs> I think I could be wrong. You know, that, that sounds about right to me. 
Uh, someone watching this goes, hey, Doug, you idiot. It was, there was some other guy. And, and I wouldn't be surprised because sometimes I'm an idiot. But um, I think you sit Richardson for a year. And I think you take him because if you hit, the upside is like nothing we've seen. He's built like Khalil Mack. He runs like Deion Sanders. And he throws like Michael Vick with 20% more arm. I mean, you you have to take a shot. Someone's going to take a shot in the top five or six yeah. just because there's enough. Fun. And I wrote a piece and it, I think tape backed it up. He, he improved on some of the things you need to improve upon in the second half of his one season as a starter. Well, that's what you want. So, you know, I've heard people say, well, you need to sit him for two years. I don't think you do that, but I think if you put him in a Jalen Hurts style offense, the Eagle style offense, with you know, yeah. define it with the run game, what the Bears should be doing with Justin Fields. Um, I think you sit him for a year, you get him to the point where he can functionally run an NFL offense that is attuned to his traits. And man, like I said, because if you hit, I, I, I have never in my, I've been doing this for a long time, hashtag old. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen a guy with the athletic profile at quarterback that Anthony Richardson has. I, we, we, I don't think he, there's ever been a guy like this. I mean, that's a, that's high praise coming from you, Doug Farrar. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in the old, in the old bank upstairs. Um, well, you look at the percentiles, you had a mock draftable. Looked at yeah. I mean, you look at yeah, his uh, like, relative athletic scores off the charts. It yeah. is it's bonkers. And the size comps aren't Cam Newton. The size comps are like pro bowl edge rushers. <laughs> I don't know what you. I don't know what you do with that. Sticking with the mobile, the uh, mobile quarterback conversation, uh, the Lamar Jackson situation still seems to be at somewhat of a stalemate with the former MVP and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he came out with the the long tweet thread and you know his letter to his fans and whatnot. Um, it's been speculated that he's not asking for a fully guaranteed contract. He just wants at least what Deshaun Watson got in guarantees, which is 230 million. What are your thoughts on all of this? Because I feel like you can ask every person that question. Everybody's going to have a different opinion uh, on, you know, everybody wants to talk about leverage when it comes to these types of things. But what, what are your overall thoughts on this, this whole situation developing? I think if Lamar had held that, had done this last year when the quarterback class was not nearly as impressive, he would have had a better chance of actually having it succeed. Um, now, I do think there is something to the C word, collusion, um, when five or six teams come down on their social media accounts immediately saying we would not be interested in Lamar Jackson. And multiple owners have said no one will ever get the contract that Deshaun Watson got. Owners were not disgusted at the Browns with the Browns for giving Watson that contract because of everything he did off the field. They were disgusted and horrified because of the precedent it set. Right. No one else is going to get a guaranteed contract like that ever again. It will not happen. Teams. We saw this with Kaepernick, right? Teams would rather lose, literally lose games and get people fired than take on something they deem, that detrimental to the league, whether it was Kaepernick, you know, offending X number of whatevers or Jackson, because you can say, I don't want a fully guaranteed contract. I just want the guarantees that uh, Deshaun Watson got. Well, okay. Six of one it doesn't matter. No one yeah. else is going to get that there. The owners are not going to concede that to anyone. It doesn't matter. You could be the best. You, you could be Tom Brady in his prime and Tom Brady in his prime wouldn't get that because the owners don't want it. So there's that element. There's Lamar's 
you know, recent injury history. There's the fact that he's a smaller quarterback who moves a lot. And yes, he knows how to avoid getting hit. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking at what you'd have to do to give Jackson a, a, an offer sheet that subsequently the Ravens would decline, you'd have to give him that contract. Then you'd have to give up two first round picks. Even if you trade with the Ravens, you still have to give them that contract, probably give it, give up your first round pick this year, maybe a couple other picks. So really, I don't think it changes anything for Jackson. The only question is, is some team going to negotiate with Jackson, which I don't think in good faith the NFL is going to do? Or is there going to be a trade? Now, a trade could be more palatable if Jackson says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come back from the ledge enough to where – the owners can at least look like they got a win here. And if it eradicated the specter of the guaranteed contract completely, if, if Jackson isn't willing to move in that direction, I don't think this happens. And then you get into, is he going to pull Le'Veon Bell and just hold out for a season? Um, and that's a whole, whole other conversation that would make yeah. this even, even more fun. So no, maybe fun's the wrong word. I think, you know, it was interesting timing. Of course, he puts that out as John Harbaugh sitting down at the owner's mm. meeting. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think Lamar's statement changes anything. I just wonder, I wonder what he's actually asking for and what NFL owners as a group, and I'm sure this was discussed at the owner's meetings. Yeah. And if you don't think NFL owners will act in collusion, <laughs> Uh, I can tell you about the black player ban or the NFL reserve clause or Colin Kaepernick or a whole bunch of other things. It, the NFL is built on collusion. Um, but I don't, I don't think what Jackson said changes anything. I think this is a stalemate. I think he has until mid July to sign a contract with the Ravens or some other team, or he has to play on the tag. I think it's mid July is the deadline for that. So at a certain point through the summer, he's going to have to play on the tag if nothing gets done. And then it becomes, is he going to hold out? So it's uh, so much is still up in the air. Um, I would expect a lot of movement right before the draft. Maybe some teams say, Hey, we'll do it. Hey, we don't want to give up two first round picks, but we'll give you, you know, you hear the Colts, maybe they want to give up their fourth this year, Mm -hmm. but you know, if on the Colts, maybe I want to take Anthony Richardson instead. Maybe I want to start the clock now on that next mobile quarterback who might get hurt. Yeah. And you know, sitting in on Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh's presser at the Combine, it just felt like two very different energies coming from sure. both of them, um, which, I mean, understandably so. I mean, as a general manager, from that point of view, you got to be ready and prepared for anything. But DaCosta just seemed, I don't want to say passive about it, but like he seemed like he was, you know, hey, if it happens, it happens. We want it to happen, obviously. But if not, then we're going to prepare for life without Lamar. And then you look at what John Harbaugh was saying at the time. He's like, yeah, I don't want to lose Lamar. Who would want to lose Lamar Jackson? Love Lamar Jackson. I want him back. So it was just two different two different extremes almost uh, from general manager and head coach. Um, from That, that could also be a pre-arranged good cop, bad cop thing. Sure, sure. And that is, that is definitely something to consider. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned all these teams that came out and it's, it's not good teams and with bad quarterbacks, like the Atlanta Falcons say, yeah, we're just going to roll with Desmond Ritter and we don't need Lamar Jackson or yeah, we're, we're good over here in Washington with, with Sam Howe. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll pass on Lamar. Like this is, I was really shocked to see that new England was reportedly out on Lamar Jackson. That felt like a place that made all the sense in the world to me. 
Yeah. Um, and again, you look at, t- you know, former MVPs are the most important position in the game. When has this ever yeah. happened? Well, when was there ever a need for it to possibly happen to eradicate a precedent after the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed contract? Yeah. The owners are standing up, whether they're doing it officially or not. Um, they have said to each other and as a group, as a cabal, if you will, if you will, um, no one else. And Steve Biciotti, the, the Ravens owner, has said this. No one else. Is, this can't happen again. The Ravens owner has said that. So there you go. I think that's a big reason why they used the the non-exclusive tag because you know they they understood it's like okay yeah you think you're going to get more go ahead go go, go yeah, and try yes yeah, see what you get you run away from home you get to the end of the street you decide you're hungry we'll come back and get you oh it's a f- phenomenal analogy um, <laughs> before we go I tried we, that a couple times when I was like six so yeah. <laughs> I think everybody did I did too yeah. you pack you you, you pick one you pick one toy. Sandwiches instead of one. Well, no, you're hungry. You're you know you're losing your leverage because you're hungry. You're going to come home and have the one peanut butter sandwich. You bring a couple sandwiches. You you pick up one toy, your favorite toy. You put it in the bag, and then you're you're ready to go. And then yeah, a f- few minutes go by. Early, this, this is a bad idea. But if your parents aren't going to give you a fully fully guaranteed sandwich contract. They're not mm. all the sandwiches you want. You know. Come on. <laughs> The New York Jets. We touched about. We touched on Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I do want to get your perspective on them, uh, if and when Aaron Rodgers does become their quarterback. Um, they were a borderline playoff team last year. Yeah, with they got the, everything else. They got, they everything, got everything else. Well, offensive line, eh, but they got most everything else. Yeah, I mean, um, they spent most of last year with you know the likes of Mike White and whom Mike Tanier so gleefully dubbed the Mormon Milf Hunter, Zach Wilson. Um, you're th- you said it. They've got everything else. That said, um, you did touch on Rogers' lower body mechanics, uh, especially looking at the game against Detroit in Detroit, where he threw all those interceptions. Like there was just a lot of bad tape in yep. terms of how he looked. They do have everything else. How far can they go with Aaron Rodgers, assuming that he is looking better than what we saw for the majority of last year? Because a lot of it last year was just bad Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Mormon Milf Hunter is good. I call him the Mormon Man- Manziel. So, uh, okay, I like both of those. Yeah, those are both yeah. great. I love a good alliteration. Um, just not th- that guy is not going to make it in the NFL. <laughs> it's no, not, it's not going to happen. Um, let's say that Rodgers comes back as a right in the middle compromise between how great he was in the last few seasons when he was still you know, legitimate MVP and how weird things got last year. So he's, he's like 2021 Brady where it's 80%, okay. but you're 80% of a first ballot deadlock hall of famer. So that's pretty good. Yeah. He's that. And they had one you of know, that receiver group. If they improve their offensive line, um, I would still, and I've done this in, in, three round mocks a couple times. If Hendon Hooker is there with your, you know, late, like your early second round pick, take him. They, they still need a backup plan because I don't, maybe Rogers is done or maybe he plays well, but you know, the, the spirit gods align and tell him that he needs to go hang out with Wynn Paltrow at a ski lodge. And he just, you know, you don't know what this guy, um, I don't see him retiring. His need for attention is obvious. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that would, I think the, the, the taffy pull between him and the New York media would be, I'm almost rooting for that more than anything that would happen on this tape because, oh my God. Um, 
you know, I, I think at that point you're looking at a team that could, I, I don't want to say easily win that division, but certainly th- then you're a playoff team and that's what they want. And they've done a lot of Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and the whole staff. They've done a lot of things to really improve not just positionally, but in the overall mindset, like, yeah, we're on the right track here. These it's not the same old jets. We're actually doing this right. It wasn't like the jets who made the AFC championship games with Rex, but Mark Sanchez is your quarterback and the whole thing is built on sand and eventually it's going to go. Right. I mean, this is different. So whether it's, you know, whether it's Rogers, whether they, you know, you hear people say, well, maybe they should go get Lamar. I, maybe they should, I don't know, but if they have an above average quarterback, yeah, that's a playoff team. So whatever they do, they need to do it right. And obviously they need to do it right. Um, with Rogers, I just, I wonder how much you're giving up for how much you're getting. And that Rogers has the best arm I've ever seen. The most mm. arm talent of any quarterback I've ever seen. So it sounds crazy to say at any point, it's like, it's like saying, do we really want Tom Brady? Well, at a certain point in the career, that starts to become a question, and you have to acknowledge that. Yeah, and and you you talked about how they could you know potentially win the division. I think on paper, if they get Aaron Rodgers, they're the best overall team in the division. Like they've got better weapons than the Bills do. They've got a better defense than the Bills do, and then they would have you know someone who's still at his went at his best as a top 10 quarterback in the league. Well, at that point, only the bills and the jets would have really no question of quarterback. Yeah. If, if you're true. watching Mac Jones last, I know. Yes. Matt Patricia running the offense. Ha ha ha. Um, when McDaniels was running the offense the year before I, you know, you watch his deep balls and it's like, mm, don't know. I think yes, Mac so. Jones is like a, a, he's a spot starter plus backup level talent. I 100% agree. And it yeah. wouldn't surprise me at all if the Patriots went whole hog at quarterback um, this year with the, was it, 14th pick? Someone drops that they like. Let's say they love Will Levis, which I don't, but let's say they do. It wouldn't surprise me at all. That would be something to keep an eye on, or if maybe they're in the uh, the Hendon Hooker sweepstakes in, in, the, in the second round, perhaps. I would love Hooker with, yeah, that would be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, and you know, people say the Tennessee offense is so simplistic and and I wrote about this last week. You have to separate the quarterback from the offense. Mm. It's not, the point is not that the Tennessee offense is transferable to the NFL. Most of it isn't. Does hooker's skill set transfer to the NFL? You know, can he make the throws you need to make and do what he needs to do? I think, yeah. Um, I think if he wasn't 25 and had a torn ACL, you go in the first round, he may still go in the first round. I, I think he's a first round talent. Mike Tannenbaum mocked him down number five to Seattle. I saw that. And I, I said on Twitter, I've been a charter member of the Hooker fan club since the beginning. And that's a spicy meatball. He was there when they took Sanchez, right? He was with the Jets when they took with Sanchez. With the Jets, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, there you go. Makes sense. <clears throat> I love Hooker, but Hooker at five, I tend to – now, of course – Predicting what the Seahawks will do in any first round is is very difficult. So if I would say that if they took Hooker fifth, honestly, it wouldn't one hundred percent surprise me because of who we're dealing with. And Mike Tannenbaum looks like a genius. While everybody, oh my god, you get a new GM gig just off of that. <laughs> Doug Farrar, uh, you, you teased what was coming this week from you, uh, but go ahead and reiterate that. Yeah, we have the uh, top nine safeties list in the, for the 2023 draft class. Working on cornerbacks right now, going through 
all the position groups through quarterback, which I, my whiteboard says I have to be done with that by the 24th. <laughs> so uh, a lot of good stuff coming, you know, advanced metrics, tape examples, uh, my own analysis, uh, hopefully intelligent player comps. And yeah, it's uh, kind of my favorite thing to do every year. Cause it's just a, a river of evaluation and it's just tape, 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 which I love. So hopefully people enjoy it. I love it. I can't wait. Can't wait to dive into all of what you put out, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, we'll have to do this definitely again soon. Very, very much. Very, very fun time with you. Yep. Take care. All right. We'll be right back on the pump egg with Keith Sanchez of the draft network. All right. Welcome back to the pump fake joined now by Keith Sanchez, locked on NFL draft and the draft network. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Um, we are getting closer and closer to the NFL draft about a month away. Um, obviously, the, the talk, as it usually is every year, forefront being the quarterbacks, the, um, between the, these bigger name guys, whether it be Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, the most to you um, in terms of being the most talented um, and then talk a little bit about you know Will Levis because there does seem to be extremes on one side for him extremes on the other side for him um, and this quarterback class has become very uh, polarizing because of that yeah so can I can I reverse this and start with Will Levis right absolutely I- <laughs> any, any way you would like to my friend <laughs> all right man cool so let's have the Will Levis discussion man and I think we have to go back coming into this year right and ever he was held today as qb1 and i I don't think that that was deserving at the moment right that he wasn't qb1 right it was just everybody's looking at the tools and instantly wanted to make the josh allen comparison now we get into the season right and everybody's like oh my god he sucks right and that's not true either right he's not the worst quarterback and he's not you know he's not a god-awful quarterback not the worst quarterback to ever enter the nfl draft i just think that the expectations were set so high for Will Levis, he fell drastically short of those. But now where we're at now, we're saying like nobody wants any part of him. I don't think that's the exact approach to take to it too, man. We we look just this past year, man, Brock Purdy was mystery relevant, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not something that people missed on. I gave him a seventh round grade last year, right? It's just that he was in a and he was in a good situation, right, with the 49ers. So I think with Will Levis, you see the skill set, you see the athleticism, you see the big arm. Now it's about okay. Where does he go? What team should he go to to kind of accent and, and, and kind of emphasize his best traits as a football player? Because this is a guy that I think you can insert and he can win some games. Maybe he's not QB1 in a Hall of Fame quarterback like Josh Allen, right? But he may still be a serviceable quarterback and in the right situation, he can be a starter. I think we saw something similar to that happen last year with Sam Howell because the year before he was kind of touted as, all right, he's going to be absolute QB1. Uh, of this coming class things don't necessarily go the way uh, as they did the year prior in North Carolina and he slides down a little bit um but yeah the thing with Will Levis uh, that does also seem to get a lot of attention is is what you pointed out like the tools are there but the production was very up and down last year at Kentucky um do you think that people are kind of relying too much on the potential and the what ifs and saying okay well if he had x y and z to his advantage like other quarterbacks do then he would have put up better numbers um is that kind of a risky approach to taking in in your opinion compared to guys like you know bryce young and cj stroud who may have had more help but also had a lot more production 
Yeah, definitely. I think anytime you you project a guy to get something done in the NFL that he does hasn't done in college, like you're you're in scary waters right there, right? Like if you're the general manager, that's when you talk about possibly losing your job. So I, I definitely think that. But like I said, I think it was a, a big part of man, he has a big arm. But how many times have we heard that over the past five to ten drafts, right? With a man, this guy has a rocket arm, he has, you know, this, he has that, and it hasn't played out. I guess in the NFL, right? Because that big arm, and if you have nothing, you don't know what to do with it, then it's almost a wasted asset. So it's it, like having a big arm to me, in my opinion, is just a plus, right? It means that there's certain throws that you can make that everybody else can make, but I still need you to make the regular throws, right? right. And, and I think that's the thing, man. It's quarterbacking, sometimes it's about just hitting the layups, like or hitting those singles or those doubles um, and just getting the plays done and being consistent. Greg Cosell said something to me at the Combine when I ran into him, uh, and I had asked about the similar conversation that we're having right now. And he said, well, there's a lot more to the quarterback position than being really big and throwing really hard. What what else can you do? And I think that that is where a lot of people yep. um, are, are kind of falling with Will Levis, is that, yes, he has the mechanics, yes, he has the tools to be really good, but we didn't see that last year. It'll be interesting to see. Do you think that he slides right now? Because I'm seeing a lot of these mocks from, you know, respected people that, you know, who once had him going in the top 10 or having him slide, you know, somewhere in the area of the Washington Commanders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, who are at 16 and 19, respectively, in the draft. Do, do you think he slides out of the top 10? That's tough, man. That's tough. I, I think he's QB4. But I still believe, well, I'm sorry, my latest mock draft, I had him at QB3. In my rankings, I, I have him at QB4. Um, I still think somebody takes him in the top five to top seven picks just mm -hmm. because of the tools part. In, in the NFL, they're, they're going to repeat themselves, right? And it's one of those things I think is very weird contrasting last year's class to this year's class, right? It's like we have um, two guys in Anthony Richardson and Will Levis who have tools that no matter what, it seems like they're gone in the first round, right? Because if we be completely honest, the film isn't great, right? The film doesn't say first rounders, but you mentioned earlier Sam Howell, right? Sam Howell had tremendous production, but from the very beginning, it was one of those, well, we don't like Sam Howell and we're not going to be open-minded to it. So I think the NFL has kind of dug itself in the way I think Will Levis is still going to be a top 10 pick, Um Fan bases, I've released mock drafts, and it seems every team, every fan base is a little bit disappointing when you mock them, Will Levis. But I just say just, just give it time, and let's see how it plays out. You mentioned Anthony Richardson. He's another polarizing guy. He seems to get a little bit more of the positive feedback than Will Levis does just because of how explosive he is uh, as a dual threat guy. Um, what are your thoughts on him as a whole and as a prospect? Yeah, so, I, man, listen, I, I think it, it's very – how am I trying to explain this? I think velocity-wise, Will Levis has the, the strongest arm, but Anthony Richardson has the biggest arm, right? And, and it's it's easy gas that he has as far as a flick of the wrist and he's launching that thing 70 yards down the field. Um, we we seen him, you know, run the 4-4, and we're talking about athletic traits that we've never seen in a quarterback. I think in this day and age in the NFL, it's more translatable than ever in the sense of the fact that you see guys like Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, um, Cam Newton when, you know, a couple of years ago when he was healthy, that quarterbacks from time to time, they can dictate the game by running the football. So I think those things translate to the NFL more now than ever. But you pay attention. Anthony Richardson has things to work on mechanically as far as throwing the football. Right. He has things he needs to improve on. But. I do think that the NFL, they love to see something proven already before they take that route. And I think the maturation and the progression that we've seen from a Jalen Hurts 
right? Because it was kind of the same discussions about Jalen Hurts coming out as a passer and seeing him turn a curve and, you know, become a good passer of the football in the NFL. I think it lends well for Anthony Richardson, you know, being a people feeling great about him being able to develop into a good quarterback. And I think that the development of Justin Fields this coming season will do a lot for similar guys like Richardson coming out of the draft because you mentioned Jalen Hurts taking that big leap uh, this past season. If Justin Fields does something similar, because if you look at Hurts' season in 2021 compared to that of Justin Fields in 2022, very similar numbers and very similar trajectories. If Fields can do something similar that Jalen Hurts did, not to say that he'll be you know, in the MVP conversation and, throw <laughs> and run for a billion touchdowns, but if he can take a noticeable leap as a passer, I think we're going to see more of these guys who come out a little bit raw but have that athletic ability, that have that dual threat to them, where it's just the tools are just there and you, it's hard to pass up on. I think we're going to see a lot more of those guys become like teams are going to be willing to take that chance more often than not, because we've seen multiple examples of it working. Uh, if you give it time and you let it develop. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and that's why I say the NFL is in a good spot because that first year you can let them get adjusted to the speed of the game while still using their redeeming quality as runners, right? Like let yeah. them, okay, go through their first time, but they know if all hell breaks loose, I can still just run the football, right? Yeah. Because I'm a running quarterback. And then while you're doing that, you're developing them as a passer. I feel like in the past, right, we've took these dual threat guys and we said stay in the pocket and don't move, right? So they can't use their A quality or the A trait that got them to the NFL. And then now you're telling them to do something that they're not very good at. So I think that's why in the past you've seen quarterbacks fail. And I think that's why you're starting to see more dual threat guys have success because they're allowing them to use the A-plus qualities. Yeah, um, who was it? The Falcons head coach early on in Michael Vick's career, he used to say, Mike, if they're a man coverage, they ain't covering you. Like, yeah. just, <laughs> if you don't see anything, run. Just that was go for it, man. You can win Exactly. Exactly. We'll transition from quarterbacks to other positions now. Um, running backs. Um, this seems to be almost like a, I don't want to say a one-man class, but it is very, it's Bajan Robinson and then kind of the field. Uh, we've seen other guys like Jameer Gibbs, um, and Ty J Spears over the last few months uh, emerge as the definitive, you know, second class of guys. What are your thoughts on uh, the running backs of this class? And is there somebody that might be flying under the radar that uh, you think is going to be, you know, maybe uh, a mid round steal? Yeah, so I have a, a couple of takes on the running back class, man. So Jameer Gibbs for me, and I could be on this hill by myself. I think Jameer Gibbs is awfully close to Bijan Robinson. He's closer mm. to Bijan Robinson than what he is to RB3, right? I, okay. I think the guy is that talented, that skilled. Um, I, I liken him to, you know, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, like these type of guys that, that are true um, dual threat running backs, but this is a guy that lines up at wide receiver and he can run routes and catch the football. So I, I look at him more of a, a offensive weapon also. So man, any team that gets him, like if he falls to the back end of the first round and you're talking about the Bengals or God bless if he goes to the chiefs, good luck to the rest of the AFC, man, because the, I, I think the guy is, is just so skilled and so talented. Um, And what we start to see is that some of these players from time to time, they, their perception is based upon their team success, right? And Bama had a, a, a fairly disappointing season. I know they won 10, 11 games, but that's disappointing for Bama, right? Yeah. And so I think his name is not hyped up as much, man, but I would urge all of the listeners, man, go check Jameer Gibbs out. Like the guy's a true gem. Like I, I, I'm, I'm all the way in on him. Like he's probably top 15 prospects when I release my TDN 100 at the Draft Network. 
Um, you mentioned some other running backs, right? Like Tajay Spears. Um, I really like Tajay, man. You're talking about an elusive guy, explosive. He took over that game against USC in the Cotton Bowl. Um, I, I really like him. And, and the mid-round guy that I think is flying under the radar is Oklahoma's running back, Eric Gray. Guy's extremely talented. I don't know why he wasn't used that much that last year when Lincoln Riley was there, but this year he finally got the rock. He toted it. Um, he has vision, good contact balance, can catch the ball out of the backfield. He reminds me of, from a build perspective and kind of running style, I remember Devontae Freeman with the Falcons, like mm. he had those couple good years. He really reminds me of Devontae Freeman, but I think he's a little bit faster. Tajay Spears will be joining us later on in the show. Uh, Receiver-wise, I mean, throughout the entire week in Mobile and then through the Combine, I mean, it was pretty evident that this is a really deep receiver class. Um, a lot of, you know, mid-round guys like like a Trey Palmer from Nebraska getting a lot of attention, Parker Washington from Penn State, uh, one of those pure slot guys um, that, that'll be taken in the mid-rounds and could potentially help a contender become, maybe be a missing piece for a contender. Your favorite receiver in this draft right now and why? My favorite receiver is Quentin Johnston from TCU. Um, I, I think this is the guy that has all of the, the A-plus traits that can that can translate to the NFL. Um, there are some knocks on him, you know, talking about route running and things like that, but we have to understand that he went from an offensive scheme change, right? When Sonny Dykes came in, their entire offense changed. But when you watch the film, man, him being that big, you don't see big guys with that type of short area quickness on a regular basis. So I'm buying in on this guy. And I know a lot of people are hesitant with these big 12 wide receivers, right? You know, you had Jalen Rieger and, you know, all of these other guys. But I'm buying in um, on Quentin Johnson. I think this guy, I think he's the wide receiver with the highest ceiling, but that also has production um, behind it. And if I can throw in one other name, if you don't mind, Jared. Um, yeah. Iowa State's Xavier Hutchison. Mm. I like this guy a lot, man. And I've, I've kept close eyes on him for the past two years. And, you know, from my time at LSU, right, and, you know, coaching and being assistant coach, man, I was there with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, all of those guys. And what I realized was this. Route running is not always about getting to the spot as quick as possible, right? It's about tempo, and, and Xavier Hutchinson understands how to tempo, right? Sometimes you go fast. Sometimes you slow. Sometimes you mix it up in and out of breaks, and so he does a really good job with that. So I think he's a guy that he immediately comes in, understands how to run nuanced, detailed routes, and if he's with a quarterback, like let's say like a Justin Herbert or somebody, somebody that can throw accurate passes, I think this guy production it, it skyrockets immediately because I think he's that advanced of a football player. Xavier Hutchinson, a hell of a week for him at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. Yeah, he killed uh, it. This past January. Um, I mean, there's other guys as well. I mean, Jaden Reed, by the way, at the Combine, Jaden Reed was a just hilarious at his podium wearing the sunglasses. <laughs> like, I, I'm not trying to be Ric Flair. Just got a, something wrong with my eye. That I think that made a lot of people laugh. And then, But he also, another, another guy who had a really good week in Mobile, Dontavian Wicks from Virginia yes. um, is another name to, to keep an eye on as well. Um, Tank Dell, he seems to be someone that is very polarizing. Talking to his uh, offensive coordinator from Houston, Shannon Dawson, he couldn't speak highly, couldn't speak higher of him. Um, your thoughts on Tank Dell? Um, are, is his size going to scare some teams away, and that will that cause him to slip a little bit? His size will scare some teams away, and it will be a reason why he may drop a little in the draft. But man, when you you just watched him, man, you talked about the Senior Bowl. Oh man, like he had cornerbacks scared, right? And it was one mm. of those things where the cornerbacks and receivers had to run up to the line to do one-on-ones. 
And when he lines up, the cornerbacks looking at each other like, man, you take that. <laughs> Nobody wanted to get embarrassed, right? And, man, you talk about the explosiveness and you talk about the NFL and where it is now, right? It's more of a spacing game anyway. Like, offensive coordinators are designing one-on-one type things. So you get Tank Dell in any situation where he's one-on-one with a cornerback, a nickel, a safety, I think he's going to win that matchup. And he, he reminds me, and don't quote me all on this, but stylistically – like Deshaun Jackson a little bit. You know, Deshaun mm. Jackson was a take-the-top-off guy, right? And he he was an explosive football player. And I think he could be used in a very similar type element in the sense of the fact being an explosive playmaker for offense. You brought up the cornerbacks. There's a few guys that have kind of risen their draft stock over the past few months. Julius Brents from Kansas State is one of those yeah. guys for me. Um, seeing his production in Mobile, um, if, if you can get this guy in like – Mid third round, I think you're possibly getting one of the steals of the draft in Julius Brents. No, I agree 100%. And I'm a, I agree so much that I don't even know if he's going to last that long anymore. Um, um, from the sounds of that, he was climbing very yeah, fast. He, he, he's skyrocketing, man. Because I, um, so I gave him initially like a top of the third, late second grade when I initially watched him. And then, you know, we're talking about the senior bowl, right? It's a great opportunity to watch these guys do football and compete and just watch the competitor that he was. I'm like, man, NFL scouts are going to fall in love with this. And then watching him in one-on-one drills for a big guy that's what, like 6'3", 6'4", 200 pounds, he was still able to stay in phase. So I I thought about um, last year, right, and we had Tariq Willen, who fell all the way to the fifth round. Then we had Sauce Gardner, both guys that were 6'2", 6'3", plus, right, that play in a cover three scheme. Tariq Willen had seven interceptions, and Sauce Gardner wound up being a defensive rookie of the year. I don't think the NFL is gonna make the same mistake again, right? They're going. To, I think they're going to take Julius Brents a lot higher than what they took Tariq Willen. Any other DBs that stand out to you that uh, you think that people should circle their names? Yeah, man. So going back to the Senior Bowl, man. Uh, South Carolina defensive back, a corner, Darius Rush. Um, I didn't even watch his film previous until the to um to the Senior Bowl. I didn't see much of him, right? Because he wasn't in my region. Um, then I'm watching him in one on ones, and I say, you know what? So this guy has height, he has length, he has speed, he has the hips. And I just put check him up. And then I went back and watched his film, and I'm like, man, the guy checks all the boxes. So a guy that's relatively unknown um, to the listeners, man, if your team is able to snag him in the third round, I think this is a, a developmental starting corner that checks all the boxes athletically, and he has the height and size to play good football. Yeah, he didn't get as much attention as his teammate Cam Smith, but both of those guys really productive for the Gamecocks. Keith Sanchez, my friend. Hey, good, good talking to you. Good catching up. Uh, what do you got coming this week for the people? Oh, man. So you can check me out on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. My guy, Damian Parsons, we go through, you know, we're on there every day having a good time. Um, Then with the Draft Network, man, we're, we're amping things up. We're going to be going live, talking about TDN 100 stuff, getting really prepared for the NFL Draft. And it's all about, at the end of the day, informing everyone about the draft right so when they're listening and we into the second third fourth round be able to tell those guys like hey no this is a start this is a guy that can immediately contribute to your team um and just just have some fun man key sanchez lots on nfl draft from the draft network good talking to you man oh appreciate you all right guys welcome back to the pump fake joining now joining me now two lane running back ty j spears as we inch closer to the nfl draft we were just we just spent 10 minutes, by the way, talking about this strawberry festival, which you can read about in the piece on USA Today that I wrote uh, on Taijay. Dude, this is absurd <laughs> about this four day long strawberry fest that takes place in your hometown. 
Yeah, yeah, I told you, man. It's the highlight of our year, man. You make sure you make that be the like on the section, the highlight of Punchatoolian year. I, you know, I hope that this conversation that we're having just draws even more business into Ponchatoula, Louisiana for the Strawberry Festival, which takes place in mid-April. So in like a couple weeks, it's taking place. So look, I, I got the, I got the hold up. So we got four more. So we got four more days in this month. Strawberry Festival is in 19 days. It's a real deal countdown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, hey, bro. Yeah, yeah. We've, uh, no matter, matter of fact, it's not even. It's not even. It's not even. It's not even nineteen days. To be honest, it's, it's probably about. I mean, because I said so. That's Saturday. So boy, I say seventeen days. It's in seventeen. Yeah, I was gonna days. say it's like two and a half weeks. Yeah, it's in seventeen days. So. People who are listening to this or watching this on YouTube, wherever they're watching it, listening to it, we've been talking for an hour. And for the past like 20 of it, we've just been talking about hometowns and festivals and stuff, which I mean, you can you'll enjoy the read. Um, but I'm glad that we've been able to do this. Um, it's good to see you. Uh, we've been in contact the past few days trying to set this up. So um, everybody who has been watching all of this, you know, offseason coverage, the senior bowl combine. Ty J Spears has been a name on the rise out of Tulane. Um, what's this been like for you, bro? I mean, it's been a first, I mean, for media, it's been a chaotic three months. I can't imagine what it's been like for the players, but what's it been like for you personally, you know, getting out of the cotton ball, going to the senior bowl a few weeks later at the combine and now just waiting for the draft. I mean, it's been, um, of course you gotta, you know, you don't gotta say it, but it's, it's been amazing. It's been amazing, but like just with everything, it's a lot of ups and downs. A lot of days, you know, you don't feel like getting up out of bed, but um, you gotta always remember your why and always remember the bigger picture because at the end of the day, what keeps me motivated day in and day out is um, that man, somebody I know ain't in this position, and you know, I still, I still got, you know, I still got family back at home, you know, it's, it's depending on me, but um, yeah, somebody, somebody that I know not in this position, so like. Man, but overall, it's been amazing, man. Being all these different places and just, you know, just being there and just expressing myself and just truly being myself has just been—it's just been a blessing, man. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm so appreciative for it. And like, man, I'm gonna give—I'm gonna give all the pointers to everybody that I went to school with that's gonna get all these—that's um, gonna get all these um, invites in, in the near future. I'm gonna give them all the pointers that they need. Talk about um, this past season for you, um, because, you know, we talked about this already, um, but uh, in the combine during your presser, you know, it was asked, hey, what's it been like? What was it like for you to help put Tulane on the map? And, you know, your your response, I think, just showed a lot of humility and the humbleness that you have to saying, hey, you know, I'm just part of it and I'm just happy to do what I can. But realistically speaking, my friend, I mean, you you did a lot to help put Tulane in the position that they were in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm super blessed. Um, but it's just been it's it's just been it's just been a, a journey, and I say that because first it didn't start off like how I wanted to start off. Then it, it it didn't start shifting my favor. Then at the end, it shifted my favor big time. But um, like I said, I'm just blessed, man, just to be a part of um, just be a part of history forever with those guys, and also being around a, a great group of guys, man. That that it came to practice and risk it all, risk it all every day. You know, just put everything on the line. Like I said, I'm just I'm not the reason. I'm I'm just a part of the reason. And, you know, we it's probably like a 100 and 
60 of us, and really including coach, probably like 200, maybe like three, 400 of us. And that's all part of the same, you know, the same reason that we got the same goal, you know, to achieve all these accomplishments from you know, winning all those games, first of all, uh, sticking together, and also winning both of the championships, uh, AAC Championship and Cotton Bowl. You know, so like I'm just a part of it, man. I, I ain't the reason for it. And you talk about your your head coach Willie Fritz, who became somewhat of a rock star in the past, uh, you know, the last month or so of the season. Um, talk, tell us about uh, what it was like to play for him throughout your career, and just what he has meant to you throughout, uh, you know, your entire college process. Like, yeah, like mentioned in the article, like man, it means the world for me, man. Whenever somebody can take the the chance, and you know, to take the chance on you, even when it ain't clear for them, or even if they mean, if it, if if, if, if at any given time in life, when someone can take the chance on to take a chance on you risking what they got going on. You know, that speaks volumes because, you know, what he did for me he had to like I said, man, he's a very humble man. You know, he stand on principles and morals. He's not gonna let anybody break him from his own son to, you know, his uh, his players on the team. But he's a very fair head coach, man. Very humble guy. You know, God is gonna, you know, get it up out you day in and day out. You know, he wants the best for you. He wants the best for your family. And I can actually say about Coach Fritz, man, he actually cares, man. He actually cares about every single individual. You know what I'm saying? It ain't, you know, of course you're going to have to follow what he say because at the end of the day it's his team. But, like, man, he's he's a very loving man. Like, he's a very he, – he's he, he a real deal, man. So I'm I'm advising anybody, if you pick between the head coach <clears> – <throat> Other head coaches out here, Willie Fritz, Willie Fritz is a man, and he gonna always put together a great staff around you, a, a great staff around him too, you know. To um, and he's also and he's also uh, he, he's fair, man. He's he's fair. He gonna hear you out, you know. He gonna and and if he got to adjust, he gonna do that. Just you know, just 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 who he is. In terms of. <clears throat> In terms of you know your style of play, I mean you're a very versatile guy, both as a runner as a receiver. So anybody that you know growing up, you kind of modeled yourself as, or if you watch their game, be like, I kind of want to play like this guy, and you know that led to your playing style. I kind of I always wanted to play like Reggie Bush, man. That was my favorite player growing up. That was my favorite player growing up, man. I, I really, I really like. I used, I really used to like what he. Uh, <clears throat> I really used to like what he do, what what he did. So that was my favorite player. So I. It's just, I wanted to be just like him. Even my first year of football, I got number 25 just like him. So that's that's what I want to be like. I always find it great to be able to talk to dudes my age who are now entering the league because we grew up watching the same people. This is so cool to be able to finally talk to somebody who grew up the same era I did. <laughs> Bro, I remember, I remember watching you Reggie Bush dive over three Steelers to get into the end zone one time in like 2006. So I'm glad to to hear the Reggie Bush love <laughs> from you. That's my that's my that's my that's my dog right there. I, I like I like Reggie Bush a lot. Has anybody, uh, you know, maybe um, players or uh, past Tulane people, have they reached out to you throughout this process and you know try to give you any sort of pointers, try to help you through it? Um, guys like Ken Sample, Donnell Mooney, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Johnson, um, who else? There's a number of guys. It's just um, I just don't be 
I'll just be um, I'll just be in my own world. I'll just be I know they'll be locked in on what they got going on. But everybody congratulate me though, whether this past player or players I've played with in the past or even guys here now, everybody congratulated me though. And also just told me like keep going and stuff like that. So I just just about contacted everybody that I'm supposed to contact. And if we didn't reach in contact, I don't feel no type of way. Because at the end of the day, everybody's busy with their life because Everybody that contact me, I probably ain't even text them back. So you know, I'm, but I just want, you know, just want them to know I appreciate everything. I just, I just be in my own. I just be locked in because you know, if I, if I put too much of my time into one thing, I kind of like get distracted. So right. I just be trying to focus on the main thing. You know, there's a lot of people, Tajay, and by a lot of people, I mean me, who have been saying, "Hey, Tajay Spears and Darnell Mooney, that would be a nice little two lane offense in Chicago." Um, I'm not trying to, you know, put words in your mouth or nothing. I'm not trying to, but I'm just saying a re, uh, a nice little two lane offense in Chicago. What would that mean to you? And, uh, what could you contribute to not just the bears offense, but any offense, um, that, that would be, that would be drafting you. Uh, explosiveness, man. I'm a playmaker. I'm gonna find a way to make a play. I can be a home run hitter from anywhere on the field. Like I don't really talk a lot. I ain't gonna really brag. brag. <clears throat> I don't really brag on myself, I'm, but I'm gonna, you know, keep it quiet, keep my head down, and I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work, and I'm, I'm gonna be confident as hell. But I'm, I'm gonna work. You know, I'm a humble guy. Uh, you know, you gonna, you know, you gonna get an overall playmaker, man. That's, that's all I can do, a playmaker. You know, between the tackles, outside the tackles, in space, a little bit of space, or whatever it is. So. You know, with, uh, however you get the ball in my hand, whether that's handing it off or passing it to me, I want to be as versatile as I can and be the best, you know, be the best, you know, teammate, whatever it is that I can be to help the team win. Well, uh, you said that two-lane offense in Chicago, man. Donnell, he's like a big brother to me. But, uh, you know, wherever the opportunity uh, presents itself at, that's what, that's what I'm going to be, you know, whole, wholeheartedly there. So wherever it is at. My friend, it's been awesome being able to spend the last hour or so getting to know you, get to talk to you and whatnot. Good luck in the rest of this process. Good luck in the draft. You are more than welcome to come back on here anytime you want, anytime you want to do anything. Just chop it up. Always. You got my number. We uh, will definitely do this again at some point. But, you know, good luck in the draft. Can't wait to see what you do. All right, man. Tell me about that peanut butter festival, man. (laughs) I'm gonna. I, I will take pictures. I will send it to you. We will compare festivals. It'll be a good time. Hi right, man, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some exclusive content for you at, for the Scarberry folks. So you better, I'm looking you better forward to it, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna become the number one blogger, writer, podcaster on this Strawberry Festival, and nobody is gonna have that niche except me because I've got the inside source. <laughs> All right, man, I got you, man. I, well, I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you for having me, man. Uh, good luck to you as well. All right, brother. Take care. All right, man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.